Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Uh, this scripture is from 2 Corinthians 5.20 through 6.10. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you. And on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known as dying and see we are alive as punished and yet not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing everything the word of the lord thanks be to god (laughs) thank you steve and yes dan cook Paul needs an editor. <laughs> I was just looking at it and it looks like, yeah, verse three through 10, it looks like is one long sentence. Whew. This guy, who does he think he is? Apostle Paul. Um, okay. Before we begin, um, I just want to continue that calmness that we felt in our Lectio Visio Divina and just do some quick deep breathing. Uh, And this is something that we do with our kids. So kids, can you help us lead this? So here's what we have to do. You have to pretend you have a flower in one hand. Can you smell it? Oh, it smells so good. And then pretend you have a candle in the other hand. Ooh, hot. So you're gonna smell the flower and blow out the candle. Smell the flower 
blow out the candle. And one more time, smell the flower and blow out the candle. Good job, everyone. <laughs> oh, so does anyone else just feel weary walking into Lent this year? I know I do. Like we've already had a year being constantly reminded of our mortality and need for redemption. And we've already had a year fasting from community, fasting from touch and nearness, fasting from sanity and peace of mind. So I just wanted to open up tonight with an all play. We're jumping right in. And I just wanna ask, what are you carrying with you into Lent this year? It can be big feelings, it can be questions or a certain posture or demeanor, but what are you carrying with you into Lent? Oh, Laura says exhaustion and Katie says loss. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, fear, pandemic fatigue. Oh yeah, Reagan, so tired teaching through a mask all day. Dan Cook, I'm longing to be with family and community but not wanting to rush past the vaccination process. Yeah. Well, Bethany, I, can I do this? Can I make it? Yeah. Isaac, awkward and a little anxious, like I should be doing something. Yeah, definitely. Victoria, a need to trust. Hannah, anxiety and loneliness. Cassandra, being called into discomfort and I'm tired of it. Oh. Yes. Good thing that's what we're going to do intentionally for the next 40 plus days. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're carrying a lot. And I just want to say thank you uh, for your vulnerability in naming and sharing the weight you're carrying. And Pam, exhaustion from continually navigating new territory. Everything is different. Yeah. Like this Ash Wednesday service. I remember last year when we were all gathered in the small chapel. I'm like, this is way different. But I want to say, and you know this, and I want to say it, that we are with you all in the heartache. And we are with you all in the despair and the questioning and the loneliness and the discomfort. And we're all in this together. Now, I kind of want to put like a content claim on my sermon because it's not going to be a warm and cozy, good feeling sermon. Um, it might not even be comforting. We'll see. We'll see what you get out of it. Uh, but it's going to be real because I want to dive into the hard stuff because that is what the season of Lent is all about. Getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. The hard, ugly reality of what it is to be human in a world and society marred by the corruption and the enmity of sin. Whew, fun stuff. So let's look at our text, right? So we're in 2 Corinthians, just like we were when Dan preached on Sunday, 
And high five, Dan. Such a great sermon. Talking about the light of Christ, right? It was so uplifting and so hope-filled. And he really teed us up just for me to come smack us back down tonight. So you're welcome. <laughs> but isn't that the roller coaster of life? Yeah. The four in me is just like really loving the moodiness of Ash Wednesday. So sorry, not sorry. Anyways, back to Paul. So Paul with his run on sentences, is writing to the Corinthian church again, right? To Corinthians. Because he's caught wind of people spreading lies about himself, about the gospel he's preaching, and just causing some trouble, and not the good kind of trouble. So Paul's got to write this letter and being like, hey folks, don't listen to them, all right? I'm a good guy, and this is good news. And here are all my reasons why. And if you read through the entire letter, You'll see he spends a good amount of it using some version of this word commendation. That's how my Bible, the NRSV translates it. It might be a different word in yours. Um, and we see it here even in our passage. He's got this huge long list, one sentence, of ways that he and Timothy have commended or proved or established or credibilityed, I don't know, themselves as servants of God. Um, and we'll get to that incredibly long and depressing list in just a little bit. But I wanted to spend some time on the first chunk of this text, the chunk that's filled with all the Christian buzzwords we know and love, right? We've got reconciliation, we've got sin, righteousness, grace, and salvation. Whew. How does, how does those words make you feel? Just hearing them all in a row. Like when I first read this, I was like, Oh, okay, Paul, we'll see. <laughs> and if I had about three more hours, I would love to unpack the theological depth of these words. And if you're ever curious, please reach out because I would love to have a conversation about it. Uh, because they have a lot more depth and even warmth and welcomeness, if that's a word, that many of us, myself included, grew, didn't grow up knowing. Um, but tonight I do want to unpack one of these words, and that is reconciliation. Can you say that with me? Reconciliation. Nice. <laughs> because this is what Paul is urging the Corinthians to do. He says, be reconciled to God. So this word reconciliation, whew, say that five times fast. Reconciliation in the Greek is kata lasso which brings together the preposition kata and the verb alasso. So kata captures this movement of one thing towards something else, typically a downward type of a movement. And alasso is the verb and it means to change. So when you bring together kata and alasso, we get this word that embodies a movement towards change, reconciliation. And it's always used in relational contexts, like a marriage or an exchange of goods. Or in our case, the relationship between us humans and God. And that's what I love about this word, reconciliation. It's relational, relational relation. That was me combining the two words together. Oh, anyways, it's almost my bedtime. 
Okay, so if we scoot back a couple of verses in 2 Corinthians to um, chapter 5, 17, 17 through 20, right? That is right before our passage. We can get a glimpse at just how relational this divine reconciliation is. So Paul says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Who here has ever heard that phrase before? In Christ, you are a new creation. Yeah, everything old has passed away and everything has become new. That is good news. And all this new creationness, Paul goes on to say, is from God who reconciled us humans to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then Paul, classic Paul, goes on to expand that thought even further. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sins, their waywardness, their failures against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us, speaking here as Paul and Timothy. And from there is where Paul says, please, we urge you to reconcile yourselves to God because you're already reconciled to God through Christ. Whew, that's a lot of times of using the word reconciliation. So I read that and it has me asking this question. If God has already reconciled us to herself through Christ, then why is Paul urging the Corinthians to reconcile themselves to God? Excellent question, Allie. So let's make it an all play. Ready? So, if God has already reconciled us, the world, all of humanity, to herself through Christ's faithfulness in his crucifixion and his resurrection, then why is Paul urging the Corinthians to reconcile themselves to God? Because aren't they already reconciled? Hmm. <gasps> Chris and Powell, or maybe Bethany, two-way street. Yup. Those are literally my next words. <laughs> Steve, knowing something is different from experience something. Oh, from experiencing something. Yeah, knowing versus experiencing. Yeah, two different things. Cassandra, if reconciliation is used relationally, you need another input. Yes. Because that's the thing about relationships, right? It's not like one person. It's at least two people. Um, yeah, so... Bethany said it, it's a two-way street. Dan, the reconciliation comes from God, but she wants us to choose it. Yep, guys, we're gonna get into some really cool nerdy theology stuff here, so get ready. Okay, so it's relational. It's a two-way street. Both parties need to choose and actively participate in the reconciliation. And so it's not enough just for one party to turn and move towards change. Both parties need to turn, move towards change, and reconcile. So it's like Will can buy me a pizza, but what good is that pizza if I don't reach out and take it? If I don't actively participate in the reconciliation of my hunger, then this gift of delicious pizza Will got me is in vain. It's just going to sit there. So that leads us right into Paul's second urging to the Corinthians. In chapter six, verse one, he says, we urge you also to not accept the grace of God in vain. Mm, there's another one of our words, grace. So grace, 
literally in Greek means gift. So anytime you hear the word grace, think of gift. Can you say gift out loud? Gift. Yes. <laughs> so this grace of God here is the gift of reconciliation and already being made right with God regardless of our trespasses, regardless of whatever we've done, our wayward failures, whatever. And so then what good is that open invitation for reconciliation is if it just sits there? What good is that great gift if we do not turn ourselves back to God and live out our part of the changing, of the repenting, and of the reconciling? Like Cassandra said, it's you need another input. But that's also kind of daunting, huh? To have that much responsibility and a divine relationship. But I think it's also pretty cool. Like, imagine if we didn't have the choice to reach out and grab that pizza, or if we didn't have the choice to turn towards God or turn away from God. Like, imagine if it was just you're reconciled or you're not, that's it. Or you're saved or you're not. And, you know, maybe this might be a bit of a theological disruptor for you to use the word saved. Because this talk about salvation is tricky and who even knows really how it all works. But, I mean, this is what Paul's talking about here. That God has reconciled the entire world back to himself. Everyone! And God, in her infinite love, has given us the choice to receive that gift, to receive that reconciliation, or not. Because what is love if that love is forced upon us? Or what is love if that love is only reserved for some, but not all? And that is why Lent is so important and so fun to practice. And that is why we practice that humble turning back to God because reconciliation is an invitation to repent and to participate. It's relational, a two-way street. And I would argue that reconciliation is also an ongoing occurrence. It's not just, oh, I reconciled once with God a few years ago, so I'm good. No, our relationship with God is living and dynamic. It's like a friendship. Raise your hand if you have friends. Yeah, or <laughs> you have people that you love and that you care about. And sometimes we need to ask our friends for forgiveness three times in one day. Or sometimes we can go a whole week or a whole month without needing to turn back and repent and reconcile. But the good news is that God's always there waiting for us. God stays turned towards us. It's like, I love how Eugene Peterson translates this passage in the message because he says it as this, become friends with God because God's already a friend with you. Does that maybe help make it a little more clear? Like become friends with God because God's already friend with you. I love it. Okay, so we've looked at the relational nature of a reconciliation with God, right? God's already reconciled with us. And so we can choose whether or not to reconcile with God. And we can choose whether or not we want to turn back towards God. So this has me wondering again, before I choose whether or not to turn and reconcile with God, I want to know, like, what does a life reconciled with God look like? 
Well, let's get to our run-on sentence here because Paul so graciously gives us plenty examples of what this looks like. So if you look in your liturgy um, at chapter 6, verses 4 through 10, this is the list he gives to the Corinthians to prove that his ministry and that his gospel is legit. So let's see what Paul has to say. <sighs> but as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, commended, there we go, through endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless night, hunger. Oh boy, this is a fun life. Oh, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. All right, I can get on board with that. With the weapons of righteousness and for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as imposters and yet are true. We are unknown and yet well-known. As dying and see, we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and possessing everything. You know, I actually just saw there was another period in there. I think that's actually two sentences. <laughs> So anyways, are you ready for another all play? So what does Paul's list here in verses 4 through 10 tell us about what a reconciled life with God looks like? So you can type your answers in the chat. Look at that list and what kind of a life is that? Dan Cook says, it's not going to be easy. No. <laughs> and Paul's life is definitely proof of that. Uh, Sandra, not based in comfort. Yep. <laughs> Isaac says, a bad life. That's right. <laughs> Beatings, imprisonment, hunger, sleepless nights. Mm. Nico and Regan, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Aches and joys. Exactly. It's sort of like this paradox. You know, like I see it in, I see that a life reconciled with God through Christ, we take on both Christ's death and Christ's suffering, as well as Christ's resurrection of life. We take on the life of Lent and Good Friday, and we take on the life of Easter. And Paul's commendation is that through it all, through the beatings and the imprisonment, through the kindness and the genuine love, he's remained steadfast and he's endured and he's remained turned towards God. You know, even when everyone thought he was sus, that he was an imposter, that's an Among Us reference. Um, he was turned towards God because in God, there's truth. <laughs> Even when everyone thought he was this man of sorrow, he, turned, he was turned towards God because in God, there was rejoicing. And even when everyone thought he had nothing, he was turned towards God because in God, there is everything. <laughs> so much sus. Because <laughs> you see, <clears throat> Paul knew the secret of life. 
the big old pile of stinky poo is gonna hit the fan no matter who you are. The Roomba you just bought is gonna pick up the fresh pile of dog poop and smear it all over your kitchen floor no matter who you are. Reconciliation with God is not gonna spare you from the sorrows and darkness of life. It's not. I wish it did, but it's not. Because I mean, we look at Jesus. He was God and he still suffered through his humanly life and not just in his crucifixion, right? He wept when he heard the news of Lazarus's death and he raged when he witnessed the economic corruption in the temple. And he cursed a fig tree for not giving him food when he was hangry. These emotions and these calamities are a part of what it means to be a human in a world and society marred by the corruption and enmity of sin. So if life's gonna look like that no matter what, why should we choose to humble ourselves and reconcile with God? Well, if you choose to turn and reconcile with God, at least you'll have a friend and a co-sufferer to turn to in the midst of it. And that is the good news. The good news that God is waiting for us, both in the death and in the life of life. God is waiting for us in the diagnosis. God is waiting for us in the divorce. God is waiting for us in the distance learning. God is waiting for us in the isolation. God is waiting for us in the loneliness. God is waiting for us in the bickering. And God is waiting for us in the shadows. So we don't need to be afraid. Yes, Dan, the light and hope are always there. God stays turned towards us. Because even in the darkness, and especially in the darkness. We can choose to turn towards God and God will be right there waiting with wide open arms. So as I was preparing for this season of Lent, I stumbled across a poem by Wendell Berry and I just wanted to share it with you all and invite you to close your eyes and imagine as you listen to these words. By courtesy of the light, we have beautiful shadows. Because the trees darken the ground, shade lovers thrive. To one who stands outside, the woods is a wall of leaves, impassable by sight, passable by foot or wing. Come in and walk among the shades. Friends, we don't need to fear the shady parts of life because God's with us even there. Isn't that right, Junia? Yeah, <laughs> you're hungry, you can go get a snack. In fact, it's in the shadows that God invites us to feel our anger, to feel our hunger, to feel our sorrow and to feel our disappointment, all these big feelings. God's just standing there and says, yep, bring it in, bring it in. And sometimes new life can erupt out of the darkness, just like Jesus erupted out of the dark tomb. And sometimes God just wants to give us a hug when we're there in the darkest parts of the woods, letting us know that she's right there with us. So Genesis, as we walk into the season of Lent, may we not be afraid of the shadows. 
May we welcome the invitation to turn towards God in the darkness and receive the bountiful gift, the bountiful grace of unconditional love and steadfast nearness waiting for us. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If If you find find yourself nearby nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you have have any any questions or or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.